we have a special awesome guest speaker today, slash sound man, slash Mr. Smiley. Uh, if you are ever discouraged, just have a chat with Robin, because he never stops smiling. He's like, always smiling, always like cheering you on. He's one of the biggest encouragers I think we have in terms of the gift of encouragement, so. <laughs> I took some of this week off, and so uh, I had earlier asked Robin to, to speak, and uh, I think nervously he said okay, but uh, Robin is uh, involved in ministry here, but also ministry in Israel. He travels there quite a bit, and so I'm going to welcome Robin. He's going to share with us today. you missed that awesome introduction. <laughs> Only believe half of what you hear of me. And especially if you talk to my mother. Okay, so uh, just with the, keeping with the spirit that we've got going here with Lyle, the awesome worship and uh, the presence of God, I thought I was praying about it, what to speak about. Jesse has been doing uh, you ask for it things and it kind of, this kind of ties in with everything that he's talked about which is the covenant. What is a covenant? We are a covenant church. So I thought a good thing to do would be to define covenants, give you some examples of covenants, give you some uh, sound evidence of covenants and how God is moving and how Jesus is, although he may seem kind of far away, he may seem that he's not operating on your time schedule, that he is there, he is real, and he is working on your behalf. He's a God who never sleeps. He's a God who never changes. He's not a man that he would lie. So I'll just uh, go through this here with covenants. And this is a picture that we I took on my first trip to Israel. Uh, it's from the Mamela Mall on the roof, and it's got the Dome of the Rock and the Wailing Wall in the bottom there. It's kind of a neat starting picture. And okay, what is covenant? Covenant comes from the Hebrew word berith, which it can have many definitions. It can be between nations, an alliance of friendship. It can be between individuals, a pledge or agreement. It can be with obligation between a monarch and subjects, a constitution. It can be between God and man, and this is the one that, that, that really hits us. A covenant accompanied by signs, sacrifices, and a solemn oath that sealed the relationship with promises of blessing for keeping the covenant and curses for breaking it. This is from the theological workbook of the Old Testament. And this is... Uh, a quote, the most important thing we have to offer is an invitation to experience the loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And the, the, there's a further quote there, but when we transferred over to the PowerPoint, we lost some of them. <laughs> so it's, but it's from our Evangelical Covenant Church of Canada. So the, the, and this is from their belief section. And what they focus on is that an invitation. The covenant uh, that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, wants to give to you is an invitation. He doesn't drag you kicking and screaming through the doors, up onto the altar, and then beat you over the head until you say, oh yeah, okay, I accept you as Lord. What he offers, what we offer here at Junction Church is an invitation. Amen. We give you all the information that you need. Pastor preaches on different messages. He's available for consultation to give you the information you need 
to want to take the invitation and make a covenant with God Almighty. And it's a really important step. It's not something to be taken lightly. That's why, like when Lyle and uh, Kagan were worshiping today, you could feel the presence of God. You could feel that, that spirit in the room. So you know, you have, and the more you grow, the more sensitive you become to that spirit. There we go. Okay, so we have this, a bunch of different covenants, explanations of the covenants, five covenants, scriptures, you have the Noach covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, Davidic, Messianic. Messianic. Look at the, pay attention to the duration there. I want to see the everlasting. Okay, the covenant with Abraham for the children of Israel, everlasting. That, when you get, um, uh, when you have a system or a business uh, you want to train up people, a core group of people, so you can promote that business. Chris knows about that working at Tech, that you want some individuals operating that know what they're doing. Then they're going to train other operators, who in turn train other people in the operation of the plant. Or with Dean with Taekwondo, what they do going back to Grandmaster Cell. He came back from Korea. And Korea taught him some things. Then he developed his system. Then he taught Master Dean. Master Dean created instructors around him, of which I'm privileged to be one, and to make sure that that strain was passed down. That that, that, that system, the, we think that's the right system. Sophia, Emma, there's students there, and they know. They know we do things a certain way. We say the tenets. We say the principles, we, we, we just focus on keeping it consistent. Well, it's the same thing with God. God chose the Jewish people to bring moral clarity to the world. Now that's been distorted over time and it's been, his people have been kind of up and down and divided and, and that, that, but that's no reflection on God's covenant. God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Okay, so we have everlasting. And his, his Davidic covenant was made with King David so that Jesus was going to be a descendant of King David. That's fact. So Jeremiah 31, 35 to 36 defines everlasting. Everlasting is a very important word because God is his word and you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so it says, Thus saith the Lord, verse 35, Who gives the sun light for day, orders the moon and the stars to shine? Only if this fixed order departed from my presence, declares the Lord, when Israel ceased to become a nation from him. Now that gives you an idea of everlasting. So the same thing applies with the new covenant. The new covenant includes all previous covenants. It's, it's a building process that God made. Like Pastor Jesse talked about, that there's some uh, commands in the Old Testament we don't do. We don't stone people. We don't kill people for this reason or that reason. Tamara spoke about it. There's over 600 laws in the Old Testament. We don't we're not under that. We're not under that covenant. But we're building on that covenant. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Matthew 5.18, Jesus speaking, For truly I tell, to, tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, then Israel will cease to be a nation before me. The law, though, Jesus said, I've uh, come to fulfill the law, and his law is not an accurate translation of Torah. The word Torah is derived from the root word yara, meaning to throw or cast, or give instruction. 
The Tanakh, which is, uh, this is a bit of a, just to give you a background of the Jewish people and what they think. The Tanakh is an acronym for the Old Testament. T is for Torah, the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. N is for Nevi'im, which is the prophets. And you can see them all listed there. And the, mi and the minor prophets underneath. Major and minor. Major is just uh, uh, associated with the length of the prophetic uh, scripture that they write. It's not a case of the major prophets are better than the minor prophets. The K is for Ketuvim, which is the writings. We have poetical writings in Psalms, Proverbs, and Job. The Megidot, which is the scrolls, the Song of Solomon, Ruth, Lamentations, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Esther. Prophecy, we have Daniel. And history, we have Ezra, Nehemiah, First and Second Chronicles. So that's basically how that's divided. And it's been said by St. Augustine, and I'm in trouble because his words haven't come across. <laughs> Huh? Did we open the wrong one? I thought we had 56 minutes. I don't know. Maybe you could oh, check. Thank you, tech person <laughs> who knows everything there is to know about all this stuff. The New Testament, it's been said by St. Augustine, okay, that the New Testament, uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So there's a thread that runs through from the Tanakh to the Brit Hadashah, which is the New Testament. Now, uh-oh. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> My name's Shiroa. Uh, I'm, here, I'm here just today, though, not all week. So I'll have to catch my show. Um, Thank you to our tech uh, person who he takes a holiday and the demons usually show up. Okay, so the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And this is attributed to St. Augustine. So again, you see a common thread, you see a commonality of the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The New Testament is not the New Covenant. The New Testament is a collection of scriptures that tell about how the Gospel brought about the New Covenant. So you have the Gospels, which are the narratives and teaching about Yeshua Jesus. You have the Acts of the Apostles, which are the historical narratives about the Apostolic community. What they did, how they preached Jesus to the masses, to the Gentiles, to the fellow Jews. You have the Epistles, the personal communication from Apostles to believing communities. Encouraging them, letting them know where they missed the mark, letting them know when they hit the mark, exhorting them, encouraging them. And then you have the book of Revelation, which is apocalyptic vision of end times, how God's going to come back and how things are going to be when he makes his appearance in Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives. And there's 300 prophecies in the Old Testament fulfilled by Jesus. So you could say, well, I don't know about this Jesus, you know, and stuff. Yeah, it could be hitting this, or this could have been a guy like uh, just uh, smoking some strange stuff back then in the Old Testament. And, you know, I see this, yeah, I see that. No, what it is, is mathematicians have concluded the f one person fulfilling eight prophecies is one in a quadrillion, I believe, or gazillion, or mega millions. And then one person fulfilling 48 prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 157th power. Now you have one person fulfilling 300 plus, plus prophecies, and that can only be Jesus. Amen. So the Jesus you serve is the real meal deal. He's the guy. He's the man. 
so you can feel comfortable in worshiping him. And then we have, I have a few examples of prophecy and fulfillment, so you can see how this all ties together. Micah 5.2, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, are only a small village in Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come to you from one whose origins are from a distant past. You may have heard the scripture, God knew you while you were yet in the womb. He knows every hair on your head. Individually, it's not a case of God's too busy to put up with Dale or Ricardo or, or uh, Alfredo or whoever. Okay? Fernando. I forgot. Keep calling him Alfredo. Anyway, the fulfillment, Matthew 2, 1 to 6, after Yeshua was born in Bethlehem, Greek spelling is Bethlehem. That's the Greek spelling of Bethlehem, which is Hebrew, house of bread. In John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Isaiah 7, 14, all right then, the Lord will choose a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Not God over there or God too busy to come to Slocan and pay a visit. God with us. All of us, all the time. Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. This, these will be his royal titles. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David. Key, again, he's tied in to the Davidic covenant. The passionate commitment of the Lord God Almighty will guarantee this. Here we have a short video, and this is when Julie and I were in Israel, my second trip. This is the actual city of David underneath the old city. You go down and you go underneath and they're excavating here. Okay, play the video. There's a guy, uh, a friend of mine, archeologist, helper, Mayor Malka, and uh, he's explaining a bit about this city of David. Go ahead. Just click it, Robert. Oh, click it, Robert. Okay. <laughs> What's this, Mayor? Now, when you, when you come to uh, you try to find out where were the public buildings, the palace, synagogue, church, whatever it is, and that would be the main element of the town, of the city, and from that main element you can learn a lot about the city, how important it was and how big it was. Now, when they start living here in the city of David, they found the foundation of a huge building from the 10th century BC. And according to the account to Daniel, it is probably the palace of David. And if we see around, if you see a huge quarter, the foundation of the palace, and there's one wall here that goes from one end to the other for 55 meters long. So one wall, 55 meters long, that tells about it, but they started here. They also wanted to see, okay, is it the palace? Thought <laughs> 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 I throw that in. So anyway, you can see the city of David there, and so you can see it's real. All this stuff that's in the Tanakh and in the New Testament is real. All this historical stuff is real. There is actually a place, the city of David, where King David was uh, ruled and reigned, and he made his capital, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Fulfillment, 
Matthew 1, 20 to 23, and he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child inside her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. For she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the key element, this covenant. This covenant is for all sins, all time. It is done, it is finished. Jesus paid the price. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Again, that thread. The Messiah will die as a sin offering. Very important because he is the sacrifice that is required in the covenant. Isaiah 53, 5 to 6, 8, 12. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed of everything. Mental, physical, emotional, everything. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people realized he was dying for their sins, that he was suffering their punishment? I will give him the honors of one who is mighty and great, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among those that were sinners. He bore the sins of many and interceded for those sinners. That's all of us here. All of us here. It is done. It is finished. The fulfillment, John 129 of Isaiah. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, there is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice that must be made, that takes away the sin of the world that enables us to go into the Holy of Holies, enables us to go boldly into the throne room of Almighty God and petition Him, Jesus, as dead man. He, Acts 10.43, He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in Him will have their sins forgiven through His name. Acts 13.38-39, Brothers, listen. In this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in Him is free from guilt and declared right from God. Something the Jewish law or Torah could never do. And Jesse talked about that with the communion. When we take that communion and we remember, we remember not only what Jesus did, but what he is continually doing for us on a daily basis. When we continually go to him, when we continually petition him, he's there and he meets us. Okay, this is a replica of one of the Dead Sea Scrolls found in one of the Qumran caves. When we were down there, Julie and I went in, you go into the interpretive center, you get a short film, and they have replicas of some of the stuff that they found in the caves there. The Dead Sea is 403.5 meters below sea level, 1323 feet, 9.827 inches. And this is, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered uh, from 1946 to 47 and to 1956. They are written in mostly Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and Nabataean Aramaic, which is a different strain. The material is papyrus, parchment, and bronze. And there is also a copper scroll. The copper scroll resides in Jordan. Because of the uh, discussion about the West Bank and everything, when the uh, things were discovered back then, back then is 46-47, Jordan says this is in our territory, we're taking the copper scroll, and that's a big one. That copper scroll is a big one. Okay, now this is a picture of the Qumran caves, 
And you can see to the left side there, that's the cave where the scroll of Isaiah was found. Right just about in the middle of the picture now. Right in there, that's where the scroll of Isaiah, the giant scroll of Isaiah was found. The great Isaiah scroll is one of 78 scrolls first discovered by Bedouin shepherds in 1946 from Qumran cave. You may have heard the story how a goat was lost or a lamb or whatever, and you went in and chucked a rock into the cave just to make sure there wasn't any wild animal in there, and he heard pottery shatter, and then he went in and he found that there were scrolls in there. They're written in Hebrew, they're written in Hebrew, and he contains the entire book of Isaiah, except for a few damaged portions. Approximately a thousand years older than the oldest Hebrew manuscript. Written on 17 sheets of parchment, about 24 feet long, approximately 10 inches high, with 54 columns of text. And don't forget, this is copied by great difficulty. Each letter, each character has to be exactly the same as the previous. They copy from one to another. No changes, no deviation. There's the Isaiah scroll. That's a friend of mine from Bridges for Peace that we're on the tour with. There's the copy, the replica of the Isaiah scroll right there. The original is in the museum in an environmentally controlled area. There is cave number 12, I believe. We looked from an observation point and we looked at the cave. In that one cave alone, there was 120 scrolls found. So that lets you know that this word of God, this thing that we're studying, this, this thing that Pastor Jechi preaches on, this is a real deal. Like this has come down from centuries, copied year after year, decade after decade. This is the word of God being transformed so that we can enjoy it today, the same as it was produced centuries ago. Okay, this is a, a proof that uh, you heard of King David, right? And what was he famous for? Pardon me? <laughs> for what? <laughs> what did he say? Goliath. Goliath! Goliath! The big guy. About as big as Michael, I think. No, maybe about a foot taller or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> David's famous for slaying Goliath, right? Well, every one of us here, in our walk, encounters a Goliath. We encounter difficulty. We encounter hardship. We encounter, God, where are you? I need you right now. And you go back to the story, and you can see right here, right here is the actual place. We are on the mount where the Philistines were. Over in the back towards the right-hand side was where the Israelites were, and I'll play the video. Need volume on that? Turn, turn left, and from here turn right, goes all the way down to the sea. So there's the Valley of Elah. Yeah, the Valley of Elah, that's where exactly. And there's the brook is right there, right? Running up there. Yeah, yeah. That's the brook where David got the stones. Yes, yes. And the Israelites were over there. Over there. Yes. And the Philistines were here yeah, where we are. Yeah, yes, yes. So you see, right there, the Valley of Elah is a real place. The brook, that's the only brook that's around there. And the tour buses stop there, and they show everybody that this is the brook, that's where the Israelites were, that's where the Philistines were. So when you come across your Goliath, when you meet that 
that obstacle, that thing that's coming against you, or your family, or our church. You could stand up like King David, who was just a boy at the time. And how dare you, he says to Goliath, you come here and mock the living God. That's what you have to do. You have to stand up. You have to stand up and fight. And here we go at the Dead Sea. This is Jewel, the lifeguard in the foreground. And the rest of us, we're uh, powering up. That's Christopher on the left, Jordan, and then myself. We're getting camouflaged up for a night excursion. No, we're just putting that on. <laughs> but actually, that guy right there by Julie there, he slipped and fell because it's really muddy, eh? And he hit that mud on that rock and whoop, he went. And Jules had to grab him and say, are you okay? And he was an older gent, so we were kind of concerned. Anyway, that's the Dead Sea. That's Jordan on the other side, right there. But you can see the color. And you sit in the Dead Sea, and all you got to do is lift your legs off the bottom, and you just float to the top. And you just sit there. You don't sink. And they tell you, don't go underwater, because the salt and the minerals will get in your eyes. Then you have to run to the shower, which is up on the bank, and wash yourself out. And like when Pastor Jesse was down there, he said, you didn't have sandals. And you walk on that, it was like 30, 35 to 44 degrees in Israel when we were there. And he said that sun was hot, uh, that sand was hot and it burned his feet. So <laughs> you had to move quick. So and then I found a highway patrol, Arab highway patrol guy out uh, on our way to the Dead Sea. So he's got his uh, mount there and he's ready to get to all these speeders. Actually, that's Julie and I. We drove down there with Daniel, and here's this little Arab boy. He's on the side of the road, and Daniel says, look, I reserved a, a camel ride for you. I said, what? And we get down there, and the, the little guy, the boy gets the camel, gets him to kneel down. Those camels are big. Like, they kneel down on their front feet like this, and then they kneel forward. And, like, I'm on the back, and then we get on, but getting off's worse. Like, when he kneels down and he goes like this, like, if you're not hanging on, I'm over Jules into the dirt. Like, that was incredible. And you're high up, too. Like, you're really up there. Anyway, that's the highway patrol. So, Sermon on the Mount of Beatitudes. Okay, this is really important. It's really encouraging. If you need encouragement, you can read these things, and it'll, it'll really help your spirit to get, get strength in attacking that thing that you're coming against. Verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven forever. And that's what we... That's what we have to keep. We have to keep these things in focus, and it will help us in our Christian walk, in uh, uh, controlling our thoughts, actions, and emotions, so that we can speak and do, so people can see Jesus in us. That's the whole deal. And we were up, we walked up to the uh, Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus gave the sermon, and there's every one of those Beatitudes, there's a little scripture on a block as you walk up. And there's the Catholic Church, that's on the mount, and uh, we didn't go in because you had to like have a covering or have the proper clothing and stuff like that. But it's a really nice place, uh, beautiful gardens and stuff around there. And that is the place 
like where he gave the Sermon on the Mount. And then you have the Capernaum, the city of Jesus. I'm just presenting you with some, some real solid substance things. There are spiritual things. There are archaeology things. There's real things that you can hang that this Christian thing, this Jesus thing, this is the real deal. Okay, Capernaum, the city of Jesus. He uh, moved, his move to Capernaum was fulfilled in Isaiah 9, 1 to 2, Matthew 4, 13 to 16. On the Sabbath, he healed a demon-possessed person, Luke 4, 36. He healed a paraplegic, lowered by his friends through the roof of where he was teaching. This speaks of persistence. Sometimes you've got to persevere. Sometimes you've got to push through. Sometimes you can't see the end of the land of, uh, at the end, light at the end of the tunnel. But the scripture says, walk through the valley of death. Through is the opposite word. We don't hang around in the valley to get beat up and pushed around. We walk through the valley. Yes, we might experience something, but that all helps us grow. It helps us to become stronger so we can share Jesus with people and share what he's done so we can be a testimony. He healed the centurion's servant because of the faith he saw in his heart. Not going to the, and laying hands on the, on the servant, but just speaking the word for, because of the centurion's face, faith. He healed the nobleman's son. He, Peter's mother-in-law made well. Synagogue, Reverend Ruler's daughter brought back to life, raising people from the dead like Lazarus. At least five of the original 12 apostles lived in Capernaum. James and John were brothers. There were two other brothers and another one that's off this chart. <laughs> so there we are at Capernaum, real place. The town of Jesus, they call it. It's on the side of the Galilee, the Canaret, and it's a really beautiful setting, and uh, it's really kind of peaceful there. This is a synagogue in Capernaum. It's not the synagogue where Jesus uh, said, verily this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, where they flipped out because uh, he was claiming Isaiah, that I'm here, I'm the guy that Isaiah talked about. Thank you very much. No. This is a synagogue built on top, they figure, archaeologists figure, of the synagogue that the Roman centurion built for, he, for Yeshua healing his, son, his servant. So this, they figure this was on top. There's arguments about where or what the synagogue where Jesus uh, declared that scripture, but this is, they know for a fact that, that underneath this is the synagogue that the centurion built. So this gives you a, just an overview of what the synagogue would look like. You see the pillars, and you see the walls, and the stones set in there. Now, this, this was just one synagogue in Capernaum. Okay. How am I doing? Okay. Um, you may think sometimes that uh, God, you know, I'm praying, I'm seeking your face, uh, I'm trying to obey your word, but you're, you're not helping me in this situation. Like, are you really there? Are you really hearing me? I'm on my knees before you, God, but you, you seem far away. I, I can't see you moving in my life. This, some, this are fr frustrations that a lot of people come against. And it's, it's something that you, you have to just sit back and you have to trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Lean not to your own righteousness. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And one scripture that we had, Julie and I were youth leaders for 25 years, and uh, one scripture that our youth group was found up, founded on when we stepped over the line 
and are generous with 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face and pray, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear, hear their prayer and heal their land. And that's one thing, foundation scripture that we stood on. So I have a few things here to show you that God is moving in Junction Church. The first move is, you're all here. That's the first move. Look around. We're family. There's people here coming in. There's new people coming in all the time. There's babies here. Our, our congregation is growing. It's awesome. There's young people, middle-aged people, old farts like myself. This right here, we have Kelvin and Nicole. They're ministering in Kenya. Little Junction Church has got a ministry team in Kenya, Africa, changing lives over there. Our Taekwondo school in the center, Grandmaster, Senior Grandmaster Brenda Sell, ninth degree black belt, one of the top women on the planet. Her husband, her and her husband started that. She gives a, spi a, 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 a spiel, a speak on every black belt dinner that she goes to, not only in Canada and the States, about the love of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, how Jesus has changed her life. And that's our all our black belts in the Kootenai Christian Fellowship that Master Dean Seminoff runs. And so we have that witness. Then we have an awesome pastor's wife. <laughs> who ministers to everyone, even the little jokes. Just like Jesus. And we also have a very unique pastor. Yes. He has kind of weird friends there, but you know, he gets the message across. <laughs> but he's awesome, and we love him, and we thank him for his a sensitive heart into what the body needs to hear. And it may not be all fun and games. It may not be like exactly, oh, this tickles my spirit or what. Sometimes it needs to be a word that stands us up and says, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a weakness in my area. I better turn that into a strength. So we really thank him for that, that ability. We also have our Taekwondo class that meets here every Monday and Friday. And we have, you can see Louise on the right, and then there's Roberta and her other kids are there. They're members of her church, and we bring them in. So there's an outreach in the Taekwondo schools that we run both here and in Nelson and in Castleberry. We have young people coming over from Mount Sentinel. We have them for KD every Thursday. We have them for grad dinner. We have them for their talent night. Jeremy and James were both over there. We have, Inns pastor tells me, we have good connections with the principals, with the teachers over there, with the young people. That's very important. They're the future leaders. They're the future generations. So God is moving there, bringing kids in. And there's Master Dean. He's just got a couple kids over there. And he's over there with IGN, International Justice Ministries, and with his Enhanced Resilience Program, dealing with widows that are victims of the genocide in Rwanda. Again, God is moving on a world basis with Little Junction Church. And I found three of his instructors. And they're <laughs> equally amazed at Master Dean's awesome ministry that he's preparing overseas. You notice the guy on the right has his black belt. And we have an awesome family. This was taken when we went for, we had a barbecue there. Uh, Jeremy, I believe, was graduating or something. We had, we had a barbecue. 
another barbecue at Lurch's where we get together. We went for a hike up to the falls there, but this just shows that we're family. And it also shows with Barack and Millennia that we have a miracle baby in our midst. There was, a, there was a problem with the pregnancy and with the baby. God moved, and now we have another beautiful addition to our church here at Junction Church. We have Lyle. Lyle is awesome besides playing music. Lyle is sensitive in prayer. He's sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit. He's sensitive to people's needs. He's sensitive to people that come in here and uh, that, that are just here. They don't know why they're here, but they're just their spirit is beaten up or, or they just feel that they, they need something, something to help them through. And they come here and they find people like Lyle, people like Gary, our prayer team over here, Deanna, Brian, a whole bunch. Our whole body will pray for people. So we're thankful for that. We have lives being changed because of prayer. We have youth involved in the ministry team. Like uh, Nikki, or not Nikki, um, <laughs> Jenny's not here. She's away on holidays. But we have Amy and uh, Amanda, and we have uh, Emily. Right, that's the one. <laughs> Thank you. Am I nervous? No, nah, not at all. And we have our awesome family. Okay? We have our pastoral family, Jeremy, James, Marie, and Jesse. And we thank, we thank God for them every day, every day. There's a blessing, been a blessing to Julie and I. They've uh, been consistent. They've been good friends. They've been uh, uh, good uh, input into our lives, spiritual lives, where we come and our travels, and they've encouraged us on the way too. So hey, we're really thankful for that. Robin, you might like something else. No, it's my show. I'm speaking, Pastor said. I can speak. <laughs> no, go ahead. That's a burden that, uh, that's just tremendous. Yeah. And we love Jared. Like, he's working 3 o'clock. Uh, James has got jobs, too. Jeremy's working in a restaurant in Nelson, and he gets home at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. So that's why he hasn't been here on uh, the worship team and stuff like that. They're both enrolled at the music program in Selkirk. So we're really thankful for that. So... You may have heard the expression, fight the good fight of faith. <laughs> Having done all the stand, stand therefore. Put on the armor of God. Right? Well, this kind of cuts to the chase. If you're going to fight, fight like you're the third monkey on the raft to Noah's Ark. And brother, it's starting to rain. So my brother sent me this, and it's, I sent it to people who have uh, expressed me. Danielle one time was feeling sick, and oh man, she, she's at worship practice. She said, oh, I, I don't know, a lot, a lot of things are going on in this and that and the other thing. I said, and I said, well, suck it up, girl! <laughs> and then she goes like this, and I sent her this thing. And it just, it just, it gives her, it just gives her pause to think and say, what God do I serve? What God? I serve the Almighty God who's able to handle everything. So I'll do that. So this is a serious one that I got, and it's, it's so true. I can't brag about my love for God because I fail Him daily. Whether it's little, whether it's a big one, there is no one sin or nine sin or ten sin or whatever. Sin is sin. And when we fail Him, 
We have an advocate with the Father, the Bible says, where we can't come into the throne room. We can't petition. But I can brag about his love for me because it never fails. And that's one thing you can take. You can take that away from here today, is that his love never fails. He's always there. He's in your darkest times. He's in your mountaintop experiences. He's with your family. He's with your friends. He's with your situation, your jobs, basically your whole life. And he's there daily. He never sleeps or slumbers.